What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. It's been a while since we dropped an episode, but we are back to talk Ohio State athletics. And my name is Colton Denning, and as always, I am joined by my co-host and buddy Patrick Mayhorn, aka Man Bun John Stockton. <laughs> Patrick, what's good, man? Um, I'm doing well. Man Bun John Stockton uh, was in action at LA Fitness again today, uh, getting buckets as per usual. <laughs> so, so tell people who aren't familiar the the background story behind Man Bun John Stockton. Okay, so basically, um, pretty much every single day um, for several weeks, I've gone to um, the local gym right by where I live, um, <clears throat> pretty much the same time every day. And I just play basketball. Um, and I always have my hair in a bun cause it's kind of long. Um, it's just kind of hard to manage and I'm lazy. And I guess I play a very similar game to John Stockton because I have a jumper and I can't really dunk or do much else. Um, I can pass, but <laughs> I usually play with headphones and for like the first three weeks of the year apparently people had been just calling me man bun john stockton and i I didn't even know and um one day i didn't have my headphones and someone like that we were like picking teams and someone said i got man bun john stockton and i didn't react (laughs) (laughs) and they were like that's you (laughs) Uh, okay i have a couple questions here one um tight shorts um, I usually, I have these, these Nike shorts that are like a size down and I roll them up. So they're like significantly above my knees. Okay. Well, that's, th- that's one area where it fits. And then two, this isn't really the John Stockton question, but when you first posted this tweet, I wanted to ask, are you playing actual five on five with head? Like, are you listening to music yeah. while you're playing? Wow. Yeah, that, five that's on strong, five, man. You know, two on two, three on three, whatever it is. I, I usually just play with headphones. Wow, I don't know if I've ever seen that or heard anybody do it. That's like that's some peak millennial shit right there. Man. <laughs> it's not like the big bulky over ears. That would just I've seen people do that and that's that stresses me out. But it's just like like these little, you know, Bluetooth in ear headphones and that's just how I've always done it. Yeah, cuz I have Beats and I mean, I don't play anymore. I just it, it's not for me and I'm one of those people that if you set a pick on me in a pickup game, like I, I see it, I'm running through yeah. it and I'll deal with the consequences afterwards and I've gotten into a few situations because of that, but you know, I, I don't play basketball anymore. I'm not very good. I can pass like, like you said, you could pass, but that that's about it for me. But yeah, I don't know if I've ever really seen uh people go headphones on the, uh, on the court, but better that than going like what I have with the beats. Cause that's just, that that's aggressive and unnecessary. Yeah. I've seen guys like warm up and just like when they're, they're shooting on their own with the, like the over ear beats. And I just don't know how they keep them up. Cause I have like a pair of over here headphones and I, I can't really do much when I'm wearing them cause they would fall off. Before we get any more one star reviews on this podcast, <laughs> let's shift towards what we actually came here to talk about today, and that's something that has a lot of four and five stars in it, and that is the Ohio State 2018 recruiting class. Of course, we already passed the first initial signing day, the new signing day, about a month and a half ago, and the old signing day is next week, next Wednesday, so less than a week away from when you are listening to this. Ohio State has 24 commits, 22 are already signed, 
Eight of those are already early enrollees. There's been two new commits. Ohio State has the number one class in the country, according to the 24-7 sports composite, with the highest average of all time right now at 94.18, beating, oh, last year's Ohio State class. And Georgia's just behind them at number two with 93.62, and then Texas at three. So a lot of good things with this Ohio State class, and we talked about all the kids that came in for that first signing period but still a couple spots on the table. And uh, I guess, first of all, if we're going to jump into this, what's left for Ohio State as we get into this second signing day? Mostly the the only things that they're looking at in terms of like actual positions of need, the only one left is offensive tackle. That's that's the main position left that they need. And you know, when you look at the class as a whole, that's the thing that kind of stands out. Um, they have Max Ray. Obviously, who who is a you know offensive tackle, and he'll be fine. But he's the only one. Um, they missed out on Jackson Carmen, which was a, a bad miss. Um, but they you know they're looking at Rashid Walker. They're looking at uh, Nicholas Petit Frere. I think is how you say it. Um, but that the offensive tackle is is really the main position of need. And outside of that, I really think they just have two spots left um, at max because right now I think that they're at scholarship capacity. Um, so it, it's mostly just either two offensive tackles or an offensive tackle and the best player available, you know, and if that's a guy like Tavion Thomas, um, you know, and probably not Christopher Oates, but that was a name that was floated. There's, there's still some names out there. Um, I think that that's pretty much what they're going for at this point. Yeah, Walker and Petit Friere are those two guys that stand out. And if you had to guess, what are the odds that Ohio State is able to land one of those guys? Um, it's in terms of percentage landing at least one, probably 65 or 70%. Um, I think that they had a, a little bit better of a chance in my mind earlier on in this week um, before we knew uh, that Rashid Walker would be taking his, his final in-home visit with Penn State rather than Ohio State. Um, Urban Meyer and Larry Johnson were in uh, Maryland last night, I think, to, to visit him, and uh, James Franklin and Penn State will be there tonight. And that's not great. Generally, when a, a coaching staff gets the last in-home visit, that means that a recruit's either leaning a certain way or wants to be leaning that way and is just looking for a reason to go there. Um, with Petit Friere, um, it feels more like a just a hunch based on what we've seen from Urban Meyer during his time at Ohio State and you know, even during his time at Florida. He's very good at closing when it comes to, to recruiting and a lot of times near and around signing day and even on signing day, he just he pulls out these big surprises. Um, you know, Von Bell was one that, that stands out in my mind. And we, we usually see it every year where he gets a guy late that we weren't expecting him to get. And I think it could be um, Petit Frere in this class. It's just, you know, getting him out of Tampa is difficult. Yeah, and it, it seems like this would be, if they're able to pull one of these guys, it would be up there with, like, the Von Bell situation because – Walker is a kid that Penn State has gone really hard at from everything that I've read, and they've, they've put a lot of time in. And like you said, they had that visit with him, and Ohio State had all that time and energy invested into getting Jackson Carmen, and he goes to Clemson. So whether it's him or Petit Friere, who is ranked as the number one tackle, it would be quite the coup for them to land one of those guys this late in the cycle based off of where they were a month ago. Yeah, for sure, and that's that's definitely you know a testament to how much the coaching staff has been working in the past month. Um, Petit Friere really wasn't even an option about a month ago. 
um, when the name first started to be floated, it basically just seemed like a joke. Um, but Greg Schiano has really, really strong ties in Tampa from his time there, um, specifically at Brookie Prep, where Petit Freer goes. I think Greg Schiano's kids went there, if I if I remember right. And they really, you know, the the entire offensive staff, and then you know, Shiana, the the defensive coordinator, obviously doesn't have a ton of connections with the offensive staff, but they've been they've been hitting those guys very hard and, and going after them because they, um, you know, specifically Urban Meyer really wants you know another offensive tackle or two in this class because while Ray is good, they just they don't have a ton of depth at that position right now. Yeah, that's a position of definite need for Ohio State heading into 2018. And we got a question on Twitter from at Zadea, not Zendaya, but Zadea. I don't know if there's any relation there. <laughs> but he asks, if Ohio State doesn't get either Walker or Petit Friere, do they have a backup plan? Where, where are they going to go if this falls through? Because there's not a lot of time left. Um, At this point, if they don't get either, I think that they'll just punt and go for more in 2019. Um, William Barnes or William Barnes was a guy who was floated uh, for a little bit as a possibility, but I, I don't think he's going to be leaving the, the Southeast. Um, and at this point in the, the process, there's really not a ton of Ohio State caliber offensive tackles out there. If they want to reach for one late, they could. But I really, I think if they miss out on their top two targets, they're, they're just going to look for a couple more in 2019 and this that would be a pretty bad scenario but we've seen before this mostly pertains to moving guys from guard to center whether that's billy price or pat elfline they've had success moving guys inside we haven't seen that as much outside but you figure you know there's enough talent on this offensive line where hopefully there's one or two guys on the roster that fit that guard position what you would normally see with a guard that can at the very least fill in if they're needed as backup offensive tackles that would be ideal but you would figure there would at least be one or two that could do it yeah for sure i mean thayer munford um isaiah prince uh, obviously brandon bowen was a uh, i think he was a guard last season but he's big enough that i think he could play tackle um josh myers there's there's enough guys on the roster that they'll survive a year without getting a ton of offensive tackles, but it would certainly be a big-time position of need in 2019. Without getting too much into the class as a whole, because we'll talk about this after signing day on Wednesday in another episode, and we chatted after that first initial signing day, how do you think that it affected the way that Ohio State recruited? Because in my mind, and I don't follow recruiting as closely as you do, it seems like there's not a lot of, the three-star developmental guys, the the Darren Lees, the A.J. Hawks, whatever, however you want to phrase them, but those guys that uh, a coach or an assistant coach like formerly Kerry Combs or, or Luke Fickle would vouch for and say, this is a guy that may not have a high pedigree like other guys, but we need to get him in three years from now. He's going to be that guy, and it feels like a lot of this class is going to be kind of wait-and-see as to how the coaches evaluated these talents while they were the best in high school and hoping that they can translate that into, you know, their year one or two of playing college football, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that this is probably, in my opinion, um, Ohio State's deepest class under Urban Meyer, um, just in terms of the amount of talent in the class uh, from top to bottom, this is 
the the top end talent I don't think is as good as 27 teams, but there is a ton of guys in this class who are going to contribute at Ohio State. Um, there's certainly still a couple guys who I would consider to be more developmental. Um, Alex Williams from Pickerington North, he's a defensive end, um, you know, a, a mid-level three-star. He's a guy with a, a really good, you know, athletic base to be building on, but he's he's still pretty raw. Doesn't even have a, a true position yet. Um, <clears throat> you know, Marcus Hooker is a guy who a lot of people were kind of surprised to see Ohio State take, but he's a guy that they like a lot, and they. You know, they kind of are going to take a similar approach with him as they did with his brother Malik, and ultimately they obviously hope he can turn out pretty similarly. Um, even just the recent commitment, Chris Olave, or, um, I think that's how you say it. Have you seen how to say that correctly? No, I haven't yet. I was going to ask you, and I'm I, I'm I'm leaning on just sort of really flowing with it and just going Olave. I, I think it, just because it sounds. Great. I think I saw Olave maybe. So I, I guess I'll go with that. Um, Somebody yell at us on Twitter yeah, about someone, it, at Dubsco or at Patrick underscore Mayo. Please, someone yell at me. Um, <laughs> but he's, you know, even he's kind of a, a bit more of a developmental guy, and um, I don't know if his rating is super fair because he was injured for a lot of his high school career, and I think he's better than, you know, 396th in the country. But, you know, and even a guy like Master Teague, who's a four-star, there are guys in this class who are, more athletes than they are football players and that's something that you're going to see in every ohio state class and i i think just because this class is deeper um in terms of the 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 talent from top to bottom um there are still guys in this class who could end up being kind of gems that flew under the radar a little bit speaking of people who like to yell at other people since the last time we talked there has been a couple of moves on the ohio state coaching staff alex grinch came on as the 10th assistant for a time, but they're going to have to hire another guy because that man who likes to yell at people, Kerry Combs has left Ohio state staff. He's going to be an assistant for Mike Vrabel's staff in Tennessee. Um, just overall thoughts. What, what do you think the loss means for Ohio state? Where do you think they'll go with that 10 assistant spot now? And what do you think Kerry Combs's legacy at Ohio state's going to be? Well, um, starting off with, with his legacy, I think he'll be considered one of the best defensive back coaches in the history of Ohio State football. I mean, he was really, really good the entire time he was here. Um, <clears throat> it, it came as a big surprise to me, and I, I think pretty much everyone around the program was was pretty surprised with this. Even I think Kerry was probably pretty surprised that the the job came around and that he was willing to take it. Um, but the you know the process of replacing him isn't as easy as just going out and finding a new defensive backs coach because he did significantly more than that. He was the primary recruiter in um, pretty much in all of Ohio, specifically in Cincinnati, where he has a ton of ties. He did a lot of recruiting in Michigan. Um, he was one of the one of the most well-liked coaches on the staff by current players, by recruits, by recruits' families. And that, that uh, takes a lot to replace. Um, Ultimately, I'm assuming that they'll probably go with another recruiting specialist to fill that void and maybe not someone who's as much of a coaching expert. Um, I think that Alex Grinch could kind of fill the, the technical coaching slot in the defensive backfield because that's where his um, experience is, is, is coaching defensive backs. But <clears throat> in terms of like actual names to take that job, there really haven't been a ton out there. I know that we have uh, kind of talked about in our own little 
uh, Slack group we've talked about some guys we'd like to see, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was a former player or someone who's pretty close to the university already. Um, you know, someone who I think wouldn't surprise me a ton, and I don't actually know where he is right now. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. But uh, Marcus Freeman, the uh, you know former Ohio State linebacker, I think he's at Cincinnati. Um, yeah, he's the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. That wouldn't shock me if he if he came back and was kind of a defensive coordinator in waiting kind of thing because he has ties in Cincinnati, has ties in Ohio, obviously. Um, I'm not sure how good he is of a technical coach, but he's well-liked around the program. That would be someone who it would not surprise me. No, and when you look at the, the just the legacy of some of the players that uh, Kerry Combs helped develop, it, it's hard to even remember them off the top of your head because there's so yeah. many great <laughs> players in the span of five or six years. Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward, Bradley Roby, Von Bell. Malik Hooker, Garyon Conley, Eli Apple, and even a guy like Duran Grant didn't have a very successful NFL career, but was very successful at Ohio State. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple guys, but it is insane the amount of defensive back talent that they had in his time coaching. But uh, there's one area that I'm really interested to see where Urban Meyer and the uh, the staff go, and that's because Kerry Combs was basically heading the special teams. For all people want to talk about uh, Urban Meyer being the point man there, that was Kerry Combs' other official title, was coordinating the special teams. And as we talked about at length on this podcast this year, Ohio State special teams was very hit or miss in certain areas. Kick return was, for the most part, until Mike Weber inexplicably started returning kicks, was pretty good with Paris Campbell, and the punting was good. But other than that, it wasn't great. And so I'm interested to see if they have a different philosophy, especially when it comes to kickoff return or kickoff coverage, which we saw them get burned on. So that's an area where I'm very interested to see where they go with. Yeah, the special teams aspect is certainly something to to look at. This this kind of being overlooked. Um, I I think in general it'd be fair to say that he was very solid as a, a special teams coach during his time here. Um, there really wasn't any kind of issues with that until the past season. And as you mentioned, the um, Mike Weber at kick returner thing was a little strange when you have Paris Campbell on the roster and. Um, a number of other very fast people on the roster. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that that's another thing that they'll have to consider is, you know, who will take over for that? Because as much as Urban says that that's his responsibility and that's his his thing that he wants to do, it isn't. That's He doesn't have the time to do that. That's, I mean, that was Kerry Combs. That was what he was doing when he wasn't coaching defensive backs, was doing the special teams. And obviously Urban was probably helping with that, as he does everything else. It's That's part of his job. But they'll, they'll need to find somebody who's at least somewhat familiar with that. And I wouldn't be shocked if they just flat out got a special teams coach and let Alex Grinch coach the defensive backs because that's – you know, that's what he's really good at. That's what he was great at at Washington State, and he'd probably be very good at it here as well. Um, it, it, I think it'll certainly be interesting to see what they do there because <clears throat> some of the um, the past couple of years, the hires that Urban Meyer has made <laughs> in replacing really good coaches have been, um, I, I don't know if this is unfair to say, questionable at times. Some of the some of the recent hires, um, specifically an offensive coordinator, stands out in my mind. And 
um, a particular linebackers coach. But I, I'm just I'm hoping that we don't see another one of the you know Urban reuniting with one of his friends instead of hiring a good coach because it seems like he kind of likes to do that sometimes and it doesn't really work because it doesn't seem like very many of his friends are good at coaching. On the subject of hiring a good coach and bringing in good head coaches, let's talk about the basketball team because they have indisputably been very good this year. 19-5 and this season. They're ranked 17th as of right now. 10-1 and in conference. They beat Indiana the other day, 71-56. to They play Illinois at noon on Sunday. They're 14th in the Ken Palm rankings, top 25 in both adjusted offense and defense. The only thing bad about Ohio State basketball right now is basically that the shot still is a bad arena to play in. But other than that, everything is pretty damn good. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, uh, they were doing this, this deal uh were to basically to get people to go to the games where it was like i think it was like a hundred dollars for uh tickets wherever they were available like the best available seats to every single home game um and i jumped on that so i've been able to go to a lot of the home games this year and it was a very good year to do that because the team yeah it's a steal the team is extremely fun to watch um it is it's a it's a big disappointment that they play it in the shot because that arena stinks um and they have a a very nice usable basketball arena just across the street in um you know st john and i wish that they would play it there but um it's just this season has been a such a surprise um i remember thinking at the beginning of the season i wonder if they're going to get you know a winning record i wonder if they'll win 20 games things like that and now it's it's more of a I wonder if they'll get a two seed or a three seed or you know where will they end up in the NCAA tournament and what lower ranked seed will they play and that's just that's absurd that with this roster that went 17 and 15 past season the pen the past season and you know lost two starters albeit not very good starters in Jaquan Lyle and, and Mark Loving this team is a legitimate top 15 talent and um they're not really doing it with gimmicks as much as they are just they're better than the teams that they play and i think if they hadn't gotten kind of a a rough schedule in the past couple weeks they would probably still be undefeated in the big 10 and it's just what chris holtman has done with this roster has been extremely impressive yeah they've definitely moved past the point of where it was earlier in the year where we were all saying like wow this is really surprising this is crazy what a dream wild ride and it still is awesome but we're at the point now where like you said it's hey a two seed is on the table winning the big 10 in the regular season and winning the big 10 tournament even with teams like michigan state and purdue who are very good that's a possibility as well, and it's more than just Kata Bates-Diop, who is a, a very legitimate, he has a very legitimate case at winning the Player of the Year award, but they really just seem to have a bunch of different pieces that know their role and can step up when they're needed to. And, you know, we all like to make fun of Andrew Dockich because of his dad and the the cliches that go with the type of player that he is, but he really has been an important part of the team. Jay Sean Tate seems to make one or two plays each game where you're just like, wow, this this guy's incredible. Where where has this been? And everybody kind of fits into their role. Caleb Wesson is a kid who is probably going to be a three or four year player at Ohio State and you can see him 
developing his offensive game from just being a guy with nice footwork into in in the post into a, a kid who's trying to build that outside shot to stretch defenses out and they just play so sound and the defense is, is fundamental and they play really good basketball and when you look at their losses four of their five losses are to teams in Ken Palm's top 30 and the only one that's outside of that was the Penn State game which like you're gonna lose games like that every once in a while that's college basketball but for the most part, they have been so fundamental and solid and just played like a team, which is something we have not seen in quite a long time. Yeah, and I think that really the only downside, and I had kind of forgotten about what it feels like to watch a really good Ohio State basketball team, is that it's frustrating when they don't do well. <laughs> because, like, the Penn State game was extremely frustrating um you know they they seemed tired they they seemed like a team that had played four games in eight days um they they seemed like a team that was frustrated with the fact that penn state was hitting all their shots and in past seasons a loss like that would have just felt kind of routine and a you know an impressive performance would be not the norm but rather something to be surprised about and and really not necessarily excited about but to be happy about and you know this year a an impressive performance is just what they do um they they've been consistently you know not just beating but beating soundly uh most teams that they play in the big 10 they just crushed indiana a couple days ago and um it's just when they don't play well when they're not clicking they've had some slow starts it feels like how it did in you know the the Aaron Kraft Jared Sullinger years or the Evan Turner years or even like the year with uh, Greg Oden and Mike Conley and all those guys it, it feels like that when they're not doing well because you know that they can be better than that and that's just it, it's a good problem to have yeah and in the past couple of seasons that four games in eight days stretch they would have lost three of those four games they might have lost and, all four <laughs> yeah and and they would not have even I think rebounded from those slow starts they would have gotten down to Penn State and down in the other games they played and they wouldn't have come back and they kind of just would have packed it in they would have had a a 8-0 run in the second half and then whoever they're playing would have just counted it and that would have been that and that's the difference between this team and those teams is that if they do get off to a slow start they have a guy like Bates Diop who can produce and kind of put the team on his back but one of the more encouraging things is during some of those games, and I think it was it the Penn State game where KBD got into the. It was one of those games where KBD got into yeah, foul trouble, game. and and they were able to not you know get to a point where they took the lead, but they were able to stay in the game. And so when you add the fact that you have multiple guys contributing in different ways who know their role, plus a guy who when you need buckets is just gonna go one on one and get them. That is a rare commodity to have in college basketball, and that bodes really well for them come Big Ten tournament time and NCAA tournament time. Yeah, that's. Um, I think that that's probably the most impressive thing about this team is that it isn't just you know Kata Bates Diop making the plays. Um, Jay Sean Tate is as consistent as they come with the <laughs> what is essentially the trademark spin move. Um, you know, CJ Jackson has finally turned into what we thought he would be, which is a a sharp shooting point guard who doesn't make a ton of mistakes and can run the offense pretty well. Um, <clears throat> Andrew Dockage is a glue guy. He he doesn't you know he doesn't do a ton of scoring, but I, I think he's necessary to be on the team. Um, Caleb Wesson's going to be a star. He's already getting to that point. I, I can't remember exactly what his 
stat line was in this past game, but it was something ridiculous, like nine of nine or something like that. But just the pieces are coming together on this team. They've figured out the lineup um, that they need to play to win games. And, it, you know, even with uh, guys like Musa Jallo and Kyle Young and Andre Weston to a point, kind of struggling recently they've they've still been able to to get wins without a ton of bench production and it's just it's very impressive um you know all things considered how well they've been playing yeah cj jackson and kim williams have been guys too that can step up and jackson in particular you know has been a guy that can hit a couple threes get to the basket make some splash plays for them as well so eight games left in the season for them we'll get a really cool matchup here next week as they play purdue on the seventh purdue i think it i would be surprised if purdue lost before then so that's going to be a very high profile matchup and one that ohio state hasn't really had since the michigan state game so looking forward to seeing how they stack up against Purdue with a little bit more rest yeah and I I wish that the Purdue game was in Columbus because that would be very fun to go to um that's definitely the the premier game left in Big Ten play which is really weird to say that Ohio State in 2018 is participating in the premier game in the Big Ten and um you know imagine going in and telling yourself that back in like December that Ohio State and Purdue would be facing off in February to pretty much determine who wins the Big Ten. Um, yeah, and I think that that's an environment, too, for them. And I, I wish it was at home, too, but I was watching Purdue play Michigan the other week, and that place, I think it's Mackey Arena. When it is packed and Purdue is really good, that is a place you do not want to go in. So I'm very curious to see how they are able to play in an environment like that because I, I don't think that they've necessarily had that this season in if they have, it hasn't been in a while at a, at a place like that. So see how they stack up against a good team in a very tough road environment to play. We're just outside of Big Ten tournament time and NCAA tournament time. So it should be fun to watch the basketball Buckeyes as they continue to make a run at their best season in five or six years, which is awesome to say. Um, anything else, man? We it's been it's pretty quiet this time of year. Yeah, it is pretty pretty quiet. Obviously, that's uh, you know kind of a condition of the the off season, and uh, I'm not complaining a ton <laughs> about a little bit of, of peace here for a little bit. Um, I do have a question for you here, real quick, about the Ohio State basketball team from our buddy Garrett Coleman on Twitter, who says, um, "What road are they going to go down for the Ohio State basketball national championship parade?" I, I'll be honest, and I'll catch heat with our listeners, man. I, I live in Colorado. I live in Boulder. I have no idea what the street names are down there. All right, my pick. <laughs> so you're you're better you're better suited to answer this one. My pick is uh, just knowing Columbus, know how things work here. Um, they're gonna to they're gonna take it down North High Street, uh, right through the short North, like the busiest part of Columbus. They're gonna take it right through there and just make it real bad for everybody. Yeah, I think the more problems it creates, the better for everybody, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, you know, that's the Columbus way. The only other thing that I wanted to discuss here, do you have do you have any Super Bowl plans? Do you have any Super Bowl rituals? Are there any sort of staples for your food or or parties that you go to? What what's your Super Bowl uh, situation looking like on Sunday? I don't remember for sure. I think I usually get McDonald's just because there's one pretty close by. Um, and it's cheap and easy, but um, I'm not even. <sighs> I don't think I know who's playing. 
<laughs> in the Super Bowl. Um, I think the Eagles are playing. I don't know who the other team is. I haven't watched. I I, I haven't watched the NFL because I don't much care for um, the offenses at all. Like any of them. <laughs> Um, I watched the Rams a couple times because I like their offense and I think it's fun, but I just it's hard for me to go from watching college football and watching teams score points and you know throw the ball more than four yards down the field to watching Dak Prescott throw like 80 different four yard passes and then <laughs> it, it's just uh, I haven't watched a ton and my team's the Browns so kind of have to avoid that you're preaching to the choir here my my team's the Cowboys so seeing the Eagles play in the Super Bowl no interest so I'll, I'll be at the gym I'm, I'm not gonna watch a second of this Super Bowl the NFL has always really been bad and it remains bad but uh, if that's your thing if you like the NFL then do you but the one thing that unites us all is Ohio State football and Ohio State basketball and with signing day coming up all the cool things with the basketball team, the Purdue game on the 7th, the same day as signing day, should be a very busy day. We're going to be back with another episode after signing day, breaking down Ohio State's full class and what I'm sure will be a couple of surprises in there on that last day, like you said earlier, Patrick. We always see Urban Meyer and this coaching staff pull off something, and we'll talk about the basketball team's game against Purdue and everything's shaking out as we head into the Big Ten tournament. But until then, make sure to keep it locked here on Apple Podcasts. Search The Hangout in the Holy Land. Find this show, all the other old shows. Subscribe. Leave a review for the show. Give us some feedback about what we should talk about. You can also find it at soundcloud.com slash Land. You can follow us on Twitter at LandGrant33. And you can follow us on Instagram for a bunch of cool videos, pictures, all that good stuff that you can find on Instagram at LandGrantHolyLand. And you can find me on Twitter at DubsCo. Patrick, where can they reach you? Uh, they can find me at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Um, if they're interested in pictures of my very good cat, Smokey, that's most of what it is right now. You can find you can find that there. Follow Patrick at Patrick underscore Mayhorn and visit LandGrantHolyLand.com for all of your up-to-date news and information about Ohio State Athletics. That's going to wrap up today's show, though. want to thank you guys for listening, and until next time, for Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. The spot was good. Ohio State basketball is once again good, and this is the Hangout in the Holy Land. <laughs>